Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's real simple, you know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome in to the Take the North podcast presented by Odyssey. I am Dan Weeder of the Chicago Tribune. Happy to be joined today by a friend of the podcast, Good buddy of mine, Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press, who's living in some unfamiliar territory these days during the NFL postseason. Dave, how's it going, man? Uh, you're right, man. I exactly how to react. This is the first time I've, I've worked this late into the season covering football my entire life. So kind of weird. Yeah. So how long now? Yeah. How long now have you been on the Lions beat here? Just to uh, to, to give our audience. Yeah, a little, this is, uh, I think this is 15 years. I uh I, I did the 2008 season at my old stomping grounds, really part of 2007 season two, and been at the Free Press since 2010. So, used to joke that I saw a lot of losing football, and now it's now it's a whole lot different. <laughs> yeah, look, like we've experienced uh, similar brands of misery over time, and have both left each other's uh, home stadiums. Going, what was that? You know, one team uh, found a way to to find a, a new way to to lose. Um, Look, like this is a, a wild time because the Lions beat writers normally at this time of year, as you mentioned, are preparing for a top five pick, a top seven pick, you know, going through draft mock drafts and draft logs and trying to figure out where to go. You're preparing for an NFC championship game. I know I talked to you back in the spring and summer last year, and you were one of the people that said, don't buy any of this. They're, they're just the Lions rhetoric. And it's played out that way. They, they've obviously uh, won. Uh, 14 games now, regular season and postseason combined. When you take the big picture zoom out look at this, um, what is it in your mind that has been the engine and the fuel for for this turnaround? Yeah, I mean, you know, it starts with Dan Campbell. Let's let's go there, right? I mean, he was the right hire at the right time for this organization. He's done a wonderful job, you know, cultivating talent in the on the roster and in his coaching staff. You know, building building that talent. He's certainly a guy. I mean, that's part of why I think the country loves the Lions right now is is because, you know, Dan is is someone who resonates with so many people, just the way that he carries himself, the way he goes about business, the passion that he he coaches with, you know, that he's not afraid to show. 
um, you know, Brad Holmes and, and the the acquisition of talent can't be overlooked either. I mean, the Lions do have a really good roster, a young roster that should be around for a while. So you put those two things together. They got the right people when they started this rebuild. And, you know, Dan, just to be honest, like I thought they'd be good. I thought they'd win the division. I really didn't see them being, you know, 60 good minutes of football away from <laughs> making the Super Bowl this year. So they may be a little bit ahead of, you know, where I, I thought they'd be in the rebuild. But I don't think it's a surprise that they're uh, they're a pretty good team right now. And it's wild to think about, you know, and I think obviously they're they're facing a pretty steep climb uh, this weekend against the 49ers, a team that, that survived its own scare. Our podcast is called Take the North because when Ryan Poles, our general manager here in Chicago, was hired, he vowed that the Bears were going to take the North and never give it back. That was the catchphrase coming out of his introductory press conference. Well, the Lions, for the first time in their history, won the NFC North yeah. this year. And I, I'm curious about your vibes on whether they have any intention to give it back and and i guess that is a, a roundabout way of asking how sustainable is the, the the success they have going right now well i i think it is sustainable because again of the people they have in charge you know like those two guys aren't going anywhere you know brad holmes is um he's done a really good job making the lines hit on on top draft picks and you have to do that if you're going to have a good team right you need some elite talent aiden hutchinson they were fortunate he fell on their lap Panay Sewell, maybe the best offensive lineman in the NFL, one of them, if not the best, at least. He was a number seven pick in a very talented draft when a bunch of quarterbacks went high. So they, they've hit on those guys. But they also, Amon Ross St. Brown, fourth-round pick. You know, Derek Barnes, the guy who had fourth-round pick. Um, you know, Sam Laporta, second-round pick. So made Aline McNeil, third-rounder. They, they've made good use uh, and gotten value out of um, picks all over the draft. And, and that's really why they have such a deep roster. So I, I do think it's very sustainable. Now they are going to have some challenges ahead, right? Paying Jared Goff and paying St. Brown. And, you know, there's, that's, that's a whole different part of roster building that this, this group hasn't had to deal with so that, you know, there are some, some roadblocks or some curves that they're going to have to navigate. And I will say this too, Dan, like I thought going into the year, like, the NFC North, probably one of the weaker divisions in football. Yeah. Didn't thought the Bears would be better. Didn't know how great they would be. Vikings were going to take a step back. Packers, let's see what Jordan Love is. Well, I thought the Bears were playing as well as anyone in the division by the end of the year. And Jordan Love certainly looks like the Packers might have a third straight pretty darn good quarterback. So um, I don't think the Lions are going anywhere, but I do think uh, there's going to be some other you know, good teams competing for the to take the North here in the coming years. Yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be hard to take it. And you are, you guys obviously have it. And then it's going to be interesting to see uh, how to get it back or give it back or never give it back, whatever it, whatever it is. I, I'm curious the vibes in Detroit, because this is such unfamiliar territory. And it had been, you know, 30 plus years since they hosted a playoff game, right? And then you had two in the span of two weekends. And, and this just buildup of momentum and energy and belief just from a, a citywide perspective what are you experiencing there it's it's like nothing i've i've covered i mean i've i've covered you know in the world series going back to playing the cardinals in the 2000s and the pistons won the championship when they beat the lakers and, and played in the, the nba finals the next year against the spurs i mean covering all those things there's nothing that that compares to to what you know the the environment that we've seen the last couple of weeks and, you know, even talking with some of the people that were around Michigan's title run this year, like, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's not like it's been ignored, but it's taken a backseat to the lions. The lions are the hottest thing going, certainly in Detroit, probably nationally. Again, there's a lot of people that just like what the lions are. They like Dan Campbell. They, 
I mean, it's like the Cubs in a lot of ways, right? When they won the series that they don't have a lot of enemies because they haven't beaten anyone. (laughs) They've been running, running people over for two decades and you're sick of them. This is a new story. They're a fun team to watch. They go for it on fourth downs. They run fake punts. You know, there's, so there's, there's a lot to like about this team. And then when I tell you, you saw it in Chicago a little bit, even though the bears won that game there, like, there's a lot of Lions fans. Oh, yeah. Come home games. There's a lot of Lions fans that will be going to San Francisco for the NFC Championship game this I, I had clearly never seen anything like that from the Lions at Soldier Field. I mean, usually Bears fans are the ones known for traveling and taking over road stadiums, and it was wild uh, to, to, to see that game and that presence there and just to feel that energy. I think you're right about their likability. I had a, uh, a birthday party full of fifth graders this weekend, and I couldn't believe how universal it was in their love for the lions and they were rooting you know this was early in the day on sunday they were rooting for the lions to take down the buccaneers and i think some of it is um just kind of obviously the dan campbell story resonates but that you've got these skills guys the, the jameer yeah. gibbs the sam laporta's the st browns and the way golf is playing that has made it an exciting brand of football too they're fun and honestly you know brad holmes told me that he, he told me that he was at one point he was talking to someone that that had come in there a national reporter or something and he asked them like what you know kind of taking the temperature like why why are we so popular before the season and and that's what they told them like you're a fun team and i i yeah. think that's a big part of it you know they're not winning 17 to 14 games and they're how you get there but you know they throw the ball around they got a creative offensive coordinator you know their running backs a, a fun guy to watch they got two of them for that matter you know they they're built to to score some points they blitz on defense you know they this is not a passive team uh, I mentioned the the fourth downs, you know, the the fake punts, like all those things. I think play into it a little bit. And when you throw Dan Campbell and his personality on top of it, um, you know, that's sort of the cherry on top for a lot of people because he is like, you know, he just there's so many people that resonate with him and his story and who he is and the passion that he speaks with. And you know, you're this big tough guy, but yet he's not afraid to share his emotions a little bit. And uh, it's kind of how I think you, you think football people should be. And uh, so you know, he's the Lions. It looks like they, they've hit a winner with their hires from a couple of years ago, and, and on the field, they're certainly doing really good things. So twice already you've mentioned passion when it comes to Dan Campbell, and that's yeah. obviously the operative word. My normal co-host, David Haw, earlier this week mentioned the power of passion as sort of the fuel for the Lions. I said, that's a great marketing thing. we got to get that on T-shirts. You can take that to your audience in Detroit and uh, in Dan Campbell's face, the power of passion, and we can ride that to, to the millions. But I'm curious how he has managed to – get the passion that is shown um, behind the scenes in meetings. You obviously have all the, the, the viral clips of, of the various speeches he's given and things like that to get it to translate. It's a, it's a delicate balance in terms of, of getting the passion to create buy-in and the buy-in to create results. Obviously lived it firsthand to figure out how they've crossed that. Yeah. It's definitely chicken or the egg, right? Cause if you're, when you're, Three thirteen and one, you know, as the Lions were in that first season. There's a lot of people rolling their eyes at, at some of that passion, you know. And then when the wins start coming midway through year two, I think people were like, "Okay, is this real? You know, like, do we really, do we really buy into that? Is is this the right thing?" And um, yeah, he's, you know, I I, I think I've, I've said this before. The thing with Dan is that, you know, he is he is who he is and like the, what you see on TV is who he is behind closed doors and and who he is with the players and because he's so honest and real that lets everyone under him sort of be themselves too and be comfortable with their own flaws. I mean, Dan is, is very comfortable with, with his flaws, you know, or what some people may perceive as flaws. And I think when that happens, you know, that just allows 
the people under him to be the best selves they can be, if that makes sense. And when that happens and you got a group of, you know, men, all of whom are very talented, um, you know, being that way, I, I think that's what breeds success in a lot of ways. So this is, I mean, the Lions aren't, they've got a really good roster, but, you know, all these guys aren't first round picks. They're not all, you know, the top choice of, of you know, every team out there. They've, Dan's built this team in his image and, you know, in the city, the image of the city in a lot of ways. And, and you know, that's why people here have fallen in love with him so much. You, you touched on a little bit a couple minutes ago in the uh, the Brad Holmes being the the sort of supporting actor, right? Like Dan Campbell is the main character in a lot of this. Um, but Brad Holmes has obviously done a great job. I think probably um, from everyone I've talked to in Detroit over the last couple of years, the union between those two is is pretty significant. But I'm curious what, what the magic touch you see uh, in Brad is that has helped uh, push them to this level as well. Yeah, you know, Brad doesn't get enough credit because he's behind the scenes, you know, but I, I've sort of said – Dan is the, uh, sorry, my son's walking in the background here for anyone watching the video of this, you know, it's a school day or a day out of school here <laughs> in, in Detroit today for the ice. Um, the, um, you know, Dan is, is best at what I think a coach needs to be best at. And that's motivating players, you know, getting the best out of these, this group of very strong willed players. And Brad is best at what I think a GM has to be best at. And that's a draft, you know, and, and again, it's, it's probably easy to take a Panay Sewell. Right. Like everyone knows and sees the talent. It's easy to take an Aiden Hutchinson unless you're the Jacksonville Jaguars picking number one. And the Lions have, you know, they've, they've, those two have been key to everything they've done. But it's not quite as easy to, to pick an Amon Ross St. Brown in the fourth round, even though it should be when you look back on it. It's not quite as easy to get a, to, to stick with a guy like an Afatu Melifanu, a late third round pick who you see a lot of talent in, but he's had a lot of injuries. And man, do we keep this roster spot for him? And, and so I think the Lions have, they've made a lot of the right personnel choices brad holmes and his staff have and then they've they've believed in those guys even when it seemed like man this guy hasn't done a lot and maybe it's time to give up on him they they know the talent that's there and they've decided that you know what these guys are going to help us before long and they know our system and we trust them and they trust us and so they give them chances to to succeed why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool to observe from afar. And the other part, we talk about this fun offense they've put together. Um, the guy, obviously, who is the architect of that offense and, and the one who is calling the shots there is Ben Johnson. A month and a half ago, I was canvassing the league, trying to figure out if the Bears were, were going to pivot at head coach, who the best candidates were. It was almost universal that Ben Johnson was going to be the guy if you were looking for a young, offensive-minded guy to take your program in a new direction. Um, two-part question with him. I'm curious what it is that has impressed you about what he's done with his offense. And then, well, I'll ask that first, and then and then I'll pivot to, to the future beyond that. Yeah, I mean, he's very creative. You know, there's the lines are going to face the challenge when he's gone next year. It'll it'll look different and it'll be different. And the relationship with Jared Goff will be different. He deserves a lot of credit for getting Goff to play at the level he's played at. The one thing that guys in the locker room say about him, and I think this is, you know, how how the details matter with him, you know, and, and maybe they do for a lot of people. But the stresses that he puts on um you know, the, the, having the proper splits and where you're lining up at and the little things, David Blau told me a story. David Blau was, you know, he's their, their <laughs> practice squad quarterback. He was with the team. And when Ben came aboard in, in 2020, uh, I believe it was when he was traded from the Browns and Ben was like a little known, you know, quality control coach at the time. They both got to Detroit basically the same time. And uh, Blau was waiting at the team hotel. This was end of training camp. Um, you know, waiting for an Uber to, to go to the stadium. And Ben, you know, I saw his bag and was like, okay, you know, maybe we can ride together. And they had this connection. And Blau said for the next, you know, two months, Ben Johnson was the coach that was assigned to every day run David Blau through the the offensive script and get okay. make sure that he was ready for games on Sundays that he was never going to play in as the number three, three quarterback. Well, you know, Jeff Driscoll gets hurt. David Matthew Stafford gets hurt. All of a sudden, David Blau was playing five games at the end of that season. And he said, the only reason I was able to survive was because Ben Johnson and the detail that he put into those sessions of teaching me and the rest of the practice squad offense, the finer points of what we had to do and how specific we had to be with some of the, the routes and the play calls and the things that we were running. And so the as creative as he is, um, as good a communicator as he is, um, I think those details, making sure they matter in every little thing that they do on offense is is maybe, you know, a big part of the secret sauce of what's made them so successful. David Blau is the, the footnote for uh, us beat writers in Chicago because I believe he made an emergency start on Thanksgiving. That's right. uh, and it might have been his first start. I remember being at a Mexican restaurant in Detroit and having to uh, pump out a 400 word story about how the, the, the Lions were pivoting to David Blau for, for an all also meaningful game. I think that was 2019, if I'm not mistaken. 2019. Okay. Yeah, that sounds um, right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the other part with, with, with Ben Johnson, you mentioned, you know, it's almost a certainty that he will get a job. He's interviewed a, a bunch of places already. What happens then? How, how do you overcome that if you're the Lions, knowing that you're going to have to to pivot in a new direction? Yeah, someone had asked me that um, on a mailbag uh, that I was doing this morning before we we recorded this. And I think, you know, I, I think Dan could end up calling plays again. Dan Campbell, he called plays um, after he demoted Anthony Lynn um, in the first the first year, you know, midway through his first season when Ben, they made Ben the pass game coordinator. I, I, th I think that could certainly happen. Um, you know, I think the Lions are a good enough team and a good enough job that, um, he owes it to everyone, Dan does, himself included, to make sure that he looks at candidates inside and outside of the 
uh, you know, the team. Um, so I, I think he will cast a wide net. We'll see how long they go and who's available at that point in time. Scotty Montgomery is another name that's, you know, inside the building, assistant head coach Tanner Engstrand's a guy that they moved to pass game coordinator last year, young guy, um, kind of similar to Ben. So I think they have some internal options. Um, but again, I, I think Dan ultimately needs to cast a wide net and it wouldn't surprise me if he calls plays because as much as he has this reputation as a meathead and, you know, football, you know, run through a wall for me type guy, he's pretty darn smart when it comes to some of that stuff. And you only need to go back and look at how the offense changed that second half of the 2021 season when he was in charge. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So they're on their way to uh, the Bay Area this weekend, and that, again, it, to me, it feels like it's a, a steep uphill climb. I don't know where you are at this point of the week and, and kind of feeling out the chances of the Lions, but, but what, what, what's your gut telling you, and then what is the, the, the kind of the, the hidden path to an upset that would send you off to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl to cover the Detroit Lions, which I, when I say it out loud, I just, like, my brain doesn't function. It just short circuits. Yeah, you and a lot of people. Um <laughs> You know, I, look, I haven't made a pick on this yet. I, I'm I'm really hemming and hawing. I think the 49ers are the better team. Um, but, Dan, I've seen enough Disney movies to know, like, <laughs> those are built off real true stories, you know, and the Lions sort of have that feel to them. Like, everything comes together at the right time and the right people. And, you know, it's it seems like it's one of those things, like, you look up at the end of the year and you're like, holy, you know, whatever, how did that happen? And, and all of a sudden the Lions are Super Bowl champs. So, I'm sort of fighting that urge in my head with the reality of like, man, it's tough to stop Christian McCaffrey and that offense. And that defense is pretty good too. So um, I don't know who I'm going to pick yet. I will say that I think the way for the lions to win is two things. You know, they need to score some points early because everyone knows Kyle Shanahan's, you know, record right. being down and the way that offense is. And, you know, the lions have a capable enough offense to do that. So if they can get up and build a little bit of a lead, that would be important. And then number two, defensively, you got to stop Christian McCaffrey. I mean, that's just the bottom line of it. And the Lions have been pretty good against the run this year, but they haven't been great the last couple of weeks. And so um, while I think their, you know, their defense has made some strides, I don't know how equipped they are to do uh, to stop McCaffrey. And so that that is the one thing that sort of gives me a little bit of pause about picking them. One of the teams that slowed the the Lions' offense down this year twice was the Bears, and and I, I'm just, it, it baffles me a little bit because it felt like they had a formula for taking away some of 
Jared Goff's comfort spots and and making him uh, not be able to use the middle of the field as readily as he did. He had, I think, five interceptions in the two games they played, something to that nature. It always baffles me that teams don't figure out a way to replicate that when one team has shown uh, a, a blueprint to take them down. Was there anything in the, those games that, that you saw where you were like, man, that, that was – different that the bears were able to to slow this offense down more than others yeah i mean they got better pressure than most teams and i, I don't know that that's i mean the, you know that that really is the the key i guess against golf right and that's why you know when you when you talk to people some still are kind of leery about well does he belong in that elite class is he going to get that 50 million dollar contract because you know i've seen him enough you know crumble under pressure to know that that's how you can get to him and so you know if i remember right the when the Lions played the Bears in Chicago, the Lions were maybe a little shorthanded on the offensive yeah. line. And, you know, they uh, they won't have Jonah Jackson, their left guard this week, Coyote Ewasika. In fact, he might have played both games against the Bears now that I'm thinking about it. You know, he's going to start. And, look, he's he's improved as the season has gone on. But, um, you know, when that line is right, they're one of the best lines in the league, and they've done a great job protecting Jared Goff. And, and so, you know, it's, it's imperative that the Lions keep him – uh, safe, give him a, a healthy pocket this week um, against a really good 49ers defense. If they're going to, if they're going to pull the upset on the road, it's an unbelievable story. And uh, even in Chicago, I feel like there's a swell of people that have, have gravitated to to the lions and, and the likability, as you mentioned, and the, the, the obvious uh, dynamic that you said that they don't have many enemies because they haven't kicked a lot of people down yeah. for a lot of years. So that's interesting. Uh, before I spring you loose, I wanted to hit you with a couple Hall of Fame related questions, because obviously that's an interesting time around now every year. The Bears have uh, two candidates with pretty good chances of of winding yeah. up in Canton this summer and Steve McMichael, who's a senior committee finalist and seems like he's on the the, the fast track to get through. And then Devin Hester, who's been a, a three year conversation here. My first question I think would be, how do you handle the questions that come to committee members about you? Yeah, I mean, every year you get told you're an idiot because, you know, a bunch of good players get left out. And my, my right. response always is, well, they can only push through five every year of the modern era finalists. And so it's really difficult to draw that line and figure out where the five are. How do you, how do you kind of defend the committee and defend yourself when, when you take some of that shrapnel that comes after the selections are made? It comes with it. You know, it, it doesn't matter a whole lot, but I, you know, I, I will say that you're right. There's, I mean, the, my five that I go into the process with may not be the five that, that you vote um, on. end up getting in or we vote on for those who don't know, right. There's, there's 15 modern era people, you know, the committee votes, everyone picks a top 10. And so the top 10 of those 15, then that's who you vote from 10 to five on. And so, you know, it, one or two people from my 10 may not even make it into the 10 or one or two people from my top five may not make it into the top five. I will say we had our discussion this year already. Um, you know, the, it was a very healthy process. I think there were some robust discussions around some of the candidates. Um, look, I ultimately, my, goal and objective when I, you know, sit down to, to cast my ballot is to put the five best, most deserving players in. I sort of define that as like, if you were one of the best players at your position during a given era or time period, right? More than a year. It's not just a flash in the pan, but you don't have to be the best to, to, to ever do it or, or best for a 10 year stretch. But if you could be in that conversation, all pro sort of conversation for multiple years, then I think you're probably deserving of it. And Dan, I will say I've, I've shifted a little bit over the years. Like I'm, you know, I had a conversation with Richard Dent actually earlier this fall. Then he was like, you guys put too many people in sort of like Deion Sanders has said. And I, 
I sort of tend to agree that maybe, maybe we have, you know, put in, put too many people in of late, but I think there were some very deserving, you know, candidates on the ballot this year, including the two, you know, ex bears that you mentioned. It's almost like there needs to be two wings for the, you know, the, the platinum hall of famers and then everybody yeah. else, you know, so you could have the, the distinction between that, the, the, the best in the aim to ever do it. And the other ones that are deserving that don't get in it. Last question for you, the tug of war with Devin has been a three-year process here. Dan Pompey, uh, obviously, brings the case to the committee every year and goes over. How do you describe kind of the tug of war uh, that goes on with his candidacy um, with the things that, that people are looking for and then the, the pushback that he gets at times? Yeah. Ultimately with Devin Hester, I, I think it's look, Devin is, and I'm sorry about those beeps during this. This is, you know, I even notice notifications them. on my email and you know, it's this time of year where I'm probably getting a thousand emails. Um, look, Devin Hester to me, you know, best return man in NFL history, if not the best, certainly in the conversation for that. So there's no doubt about his greatness. I think the one thing that's probably held him back a little bit is just like, how do you wedge, you know, a great eight to 10 plays or whatever he's giving you a game. And, you know, the, the reality that teams didn't kick to him as much, you know, after he started becoming as great as he was versus, um, you know, an offensive lineman who plays 70 snaps a game or a, you know, defensive end who's rushing the passer, you know, 50 times a game or so. I think that's really what the the push and pull has been with him. No one doubts his greatness. It's just a matter of like, was his impact as big as, you know, this wide receiver who was out on the field, you know, 95% of the time. So um, to me, Devin Hester is a very worthy candidate. Like I said, one of the best at his position to ever do it. I think that's Hall of Fame material. And, uh, you know, we'll see if he gets in uh, this time around. But, um, you know, if, I, if I'm a Bears fan, I would feel good about him getting in at some point, whether it's this year or not. Great stuff overall. 20 seconds or less, I have to ask you, how has your youth sports coaching schedule been interfered with by this Lions run here in the month of January? Missed two games last week because we had some late games Sunday. Uh, my boys, my team, my son, I'm coaching his third grade team now. I coached my daughter's you know, team years ago. She's in high school now. Uh, they were watching it during the uh, between games. They were watching the end of the Lions game. This week, I'm going to miss two more games on Sunday. It's crushing me to miss it. I guess it's for a worthy, you know, good, good reason. I mean, everyone here in Detroit is is loving the Lions, including my son. So they... They, uh, they understand why I'm gone, but it, it definitely pains me to have to miss I, I know the feeling all too well, though I don't know the feeling of getting ready for an NFC Championship game or even anything past the wild card round. But Dave, awesome stuff overall. Good luck in San Francisco. Travel safe. Uh, great to talk to you, and we'll have you on again soon after the uh, Super Bowl parade. Always, Dan. Always good to see you, man.